The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. In the name of Jesus. And the people of God shouted a loud amen. amen. Please take your seats. God bless you. So we are sharing today the main thrust of today's message in this sparkle teaching series is that you have a responsibility where your marital relationship is concerned. Whether it's that you want to get married, you are believing God to get married, you have a, relation, you have a responsibility. Like we said last week, it's important for you to know that God wants you to get married. He said in the beginning, it's not good that a man should be alone. And I'm going to go ahead and make a helper suitable for him. God established that from the beginning. And to find that person, for those of us that may be seeking to find that person, you have a role to play in that. And when you have found that person, to keep that person and to keep that relationship, you have a, rela you have a responsibility, both of you in that um, relationship. You both have responsibilities. The reason why marriages break up, relationships break up, like Jesus said, is because people don't know their responsibilities. Or, like we said last week, their hearts are hardened to the responsibilities God has given the parties involved in this relationship. Their hearts are heading to um, fulfilling those responsibilities and those obligations. And that's what we are teaching you. That's what we are teaching. If you can know the responsibilities, know um, what has been committed to you, and by the grace of God, um, endeavor to fulfill those responsibilities... Number one, God will reignite sparks in your relationships and it will cause that relationship to spark up. Your marriage ought to be looking beautiful and colorful. It's, it's a gift and a blessing from God. You should enjoy your marriage. You should enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your family. If that joy and that beauty and that color is not there, you need to go back to the beginning our message last week, we used that as a foundation to find out where may, um, are we making mistakes. If you and your spouse can do it together, or where am I making mistakes? And begin to make adjustments. And I'm picking it up from there again today. So in the first service, I shared three things, three major things on what we need to watch out for. Solomon, in his um, book, Songs of Songs, the only poetic, romantic book in the Bible, and that's so unique that God gave us that kind of book in the Bible. Yes, on a spiritual level, it's talking about Christ and the church, but the principles and the truth shared there can also be applied in the area of marriage and relationships. He mentioned that the grapes that come out of our vine, and he was talking about relationship, they are tender. That's, that truth is so vital. So you need to be very careful how you conduct and carry yourself in a marital relationship because the grapes that come out of it, the garden of that marriage, the fruits from the vine of that, they are tender grapes. 
And then he said, catch the foxes that can destroy these tender grapes. Don't allow these foxes roam around in that relationship. And we talked about that in the first service. Um, I want to really go on in that vein this morning because there are three other principles I found that everybody needs to ensure that these things are in your marriage, in your relationship. Again, for those of you that are not, the, your, your primary relationship is not a marital relationship, so maybe it's just you and your children or you and your grandchildren or friends and things like that. You can bring these principles into the context of whatever kind of relationships you have as well, at least on one level or another. So you don't have to shut your mind to the fact that um, you are not married or you are not planning to get married. No, this truth will also help you. These are things that God has given us to govern relationships by. Yes, we are particularly shining the spotlight on marriage now, but it's not limited to just marriage. Hallelujah. So I want to share from the story of Ruth again this morning. Um, there are three powerful principles that worked for Ruth. Ruth and Naomi, really, in that wonderful story. And I like the fact that the person God used to teach us marriage and beauty in marriage was a widow. Her husband had died. She was in a dark place, as it were. And that should give encouragement to anybody here. Maybe you are divorced or you are separated or you are a widow or a widower. It doesn't mean that is the end of the road for you. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? If you can understand these things we are saying, you can still find fulfillment. I wish I had time to talk about that today. I was praying about that in the course of the week. God wants you to find rich fulfillment. The King James calls it a wealthy place. God said, um, we, we are, men had reading over our head, we went through fire, we went through water. But at the end of the day, God brought us into a wealthy place. That is also true concerning your marriage. Wealthy place, rich fulfillment. That, that was the story of Ruth. She was in a dark place. But then, God brought her into rich fulfillment. And it's because... These three keys I found in her story that she ensured were at work in her life. She, 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 when I'm talking about you finding, having, taking responsibilities, finding out what God has given you to do. I, I said last week, for example, when we read in Genesis 2, when God instituted marriage, he said the two shall become one flesh. That is a responsibility everybody in a marriage, marital relationship must know that God wants you to embark on. You and your spouse becoming one. So you are, not, you are doing your best for you to be closer and closer. Knit one. Not that you are doing your best to be different and set apart. You grow together. I believe one way or the other, Ruth understood, whether it's by the help of the Holy Ghost or not. The Bible didn't tell us how she understood these principles. But she knew she needed them in her life more than ever before. And she found them. And from a place of darkness and Ashes and mourning and sorrow and sadness. It's a terrible thing for a spouse to die. Particularly not in a good prime old age. But even if that happens, please look at me, everybody. This is life. And we are living in a fallen world. 
and we have a demon that is devil that is rolling up and down the place, seeking whom may devour. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. But sometimes we hear stories of things like this that may happen, and they are very, very heart-wrenching and heartbreaking. But we should not lose hope. In fact, we should allow these things stir us up to look at God's promise again. And look at stories like this. Wow, God can still give beauty out of ashes. God can take a broken, shattered life and put the pieces together and bring something colorful and beautiful out of it. Honestly, that's my hope. That's my hope. That perhaps a couple that maybe they are struggling in their marriage, they will hear these things, take it to heart, and by the grace and help of God, begin to introduce them and apply them in their life and allow sparks to come up again and then God will cause their marriage to start sparkling again. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Hallelujah. So shall it be for one and so shall it be for all in Jesus' name. Amen. The first principle I think everybody should ensure is in your marriage. Please watch this. And we are doing, I'm doing my best to be very practical here. The first thing you must do your best. You, you should, every couple here, go back and reassess where you are. And whether this thing is inside your marriage. The first principle is this. is the principle of commitment. Commitment. If that marriage is ever going to sparkle, you must be committed to it. Somebody said the other day, trying to ex um, explain the difference between commitment and involvement. said many people are just involved in their relationships. So he told the story between the chicken and the pig. He said when you eat um, a full English breakfast and they serve you um, um, bacon and they serve you eggs. <laughs> I hope I'm carrying people along here. Or you want me to use Akaranogi? <laughs> I can't get the analogy of Akaranogi. But please, <laughs> let's just flow. Try and use your imagination. That when they serve you bacon and they serve you eggs, the hen that laid the egg was only involved in the preparation of your breakfast. So the hen laid the egg and the, the hen is still jumping around, playing in one, in one den somewhere. However, the pig that provided you with the bacon laid down his life. The pig was committed. And here, therein lies why some marriages are not sparkling. Somebody is only involved. So when dark days come or when difficult times come, they are willing to back out or they become half-hearted. Or they are not making things work as it ought to work. And marriages cannot work that way. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, Adam said. She will become woman. She will be called woman. For marriages to work and marriages to sparkle, the parties must be involved. No, no, sorry, not involved, committed to the relationship. In other words, we read in the first service, Paul was teaching in Ephesians chapter 5. He told us that husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. Die for your spouse like Christ died for the church. He's not asking you to go and hang on a tree. But it's telling you to be committed. Go all the way. 
Interestingly, I was listening to this song yesterday. I, I went somewhere and someone was playing it. And I remember I had it. Um, what was this guy, P-Square? One, one, um, rude Boy. Um, Reason With Me. How many of you know that song? Reason With Me. Okay, for those of you that don't know it, the story was this guy was very broke. It was probably, it was very broke at the beginning of the relationship and it got so bad that the wife said, look, she has tired, she has struggled enough, she's tired. That she doesn't have money. I love that line. I said, that you want me, I kill myself. You want me, do you want me to kill myself? I don't have money. That if I don't have it today, I will get it tomorrow. She left. This, this is the, the story. She left and after she left, the guy now blowed. And he became successful. Imagine trying to marry Two-Face. Or rude boy now that is very successful. It's too late. Where were you when he was jumping on Koda from Idumota to Alaba? I mean, I'm picking some of the lines in the song. Where was I? And that's the simple truth. Some people are not committed in their relationships. Don't move too much. They don't know what I'm talking about. You need to go and assess yourself. Am I, com- am I ready to go through hell and high water, and high water in this tent? In the, the vow of marriage is till death do us part. When we were younger, we used to look at the negative things in those marriages. We, we didn't. We thought, ah, we were not going to put it in our own vows. As, now that we are older, marriage, ah, it is necessary, sir. <laughs> when we make declarations that we don't have a body another, we are not saying there are no challenges. We are saying that though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we will fear no evil. God is still with us. At the end of the day, we still see the hand of God. Commitment. That's what Ruth did. She was so committed to that marriage that even after her husband died, she refused to leave her mother-in-law. Man! That's commitment on another level. I'm still committed to the family that I married into. And you, you saw the difference between her and our other sister-in-law offer. Particularly when the mother-in-law was saying, I'm going back to my country. You should go back to your family. And legally speaking, they were okay to go back to their own families then. But she said, no. Look at those words she repeated again. Ruth 1.16. The mother-in-law said, go back. I have no children. The custom in those days was, if your husband died, the brother of your husband can marry you. Or somebody in the extended family. She told them, look, I'm too old. I'm not planning to marry again. So I release you guys of this covenant. It's till death do us part. And your husbands have died. And I can't give you children, husbands again. I can't go and marry another husband at my old age and give birth to a son and nurture the son. And when the son is old enough, he can now marry you. That was the custom in those days. So Offa went back. And looking at it, I'm not really seeing her as a bad person, but... The difference was that Ruth's commitment was just deeper. After Naomi told her, go back. Ruth said, entreat me, Ruth 116, not to leave you. We we read these things in our wedding wedding services these days now. Don't tell me to leave you or turn back from following you. Wherever you go, I go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'm not going to leave you, mother-in-law. I'm committed to you. This foreign country, because Ruth was now going back to Israel, they had moved to Moab. She was a foreigner. I'm going to go back to you with your country. I'm going to stay with you. Hallelujah. Man, I think she ignited a spark in heaven when she did that. 
God saw, wow. You mean there are human beings like this on the face of the earth that understand commitment to this level? Let's bring that into our marriages and our relationships. I'm not going to bail out in the hard times. I will reason with you in the hard times so that when you blow, we will enjoy it together. Praise God. Number two, because of time. Number two, I love this one. Again, please hear what I'm saying. Oh, hear what I'm saying this morning. You have a responsibility to make that marriage colorful, beautiful, to make it work. Find out what God has provided for you and make sure it's inside that marriage. When they got back to the nation of Israel, so Naomi was distraught that, look, I left, I left full. I left this country, a husband, two children. Now I'm coming back empty. She said, don't call me Naomi. She, just, she was in a very bitter place. But watch this attitude they told us Ruth had. After they got there, Ruth said, permit me to go out. Let me go and glean in the fields of some of these wealthy people. And particularly in the field of someone that God will give me favor in. She was believing for favor. Hallelujah. She was believing for favor. Now, favor to get food to eat. But this is the lesson here. Some people go through very difficult times. A spouse dies. A loved one dies. And you allow yourself to stay in this dark place where you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, I'm a widow. Yes, this mother-in-law that I've committed my life to, she's also a widow. But that does not mean God cannot still show us favor. I'm going to find favor. Let me go out. There are many things we can learn from the life of Ruth, how submissive she was and all that. I don't want to emphasize the other things. I want to emphasize the fact that she was believing for favor. As I go out today, I'm going to find favor. As I go out this week, I'm going to find favor. In my business this month, I'm going to find favor. This year is ending with me experiencing favor. Believe for favor. Particularly in a marriage. Scriptures tell us, Proverbs 18, 22, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Marriage works by the favor of God. Before the marriage, during the marriage, inside the marriage, your marriage needs favor, sir. Right now, believe God for favor. Hallelujah. Look at what she said. Ruth chapter 2. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please. And this is speaking to how submissive she was. We talked about submission in the first service, so I don't want to bring out that quality in this one. She's submissive to that mother. She owed that woman quite honestly nothing. Her son had died. The typical vow of marriage is still dead to us part. Particularly now that the mother was checking out. But because of commitment. Somebody say commitment. She stuck with her and she remained submissive to her. So let me go out and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. There are two kinds of people I've known on the face of the earth, particularly when tragedy hits. There are those that are like Naomi. When the tragedy hits, they think they have come to the end of the road. May that never be you in Jesus' name. 
then they are the roots. It's the root I'm pointing you to, to go through now. Even though tragedy has struck, even though 2021 still has not worked the way you want it to work, even though there have been challenges in the home with you and your husband or your wife, can you still believe God for favor this week? Do you still know that God loves you? Hallelujah. Do you still know that God cares for you? Do you still know that God has an expected end concerning your life? Do you understand that what may have happened has not changed one bit the great plans that God has for you? Let me go out. Let me find favor. And surely she found favor. Not only did she find favor, she found favor in the richest man in the land. He saw her. And he said, who is that young lady? Then they told him, oh, that's the Moabites that came home. Please watch how these principles work. Many times they work hand in hand. They compound each other. That's the Moabites. A story apparently had gone around the town. There's one foreigner that came back with Naomi, even though her husband had died. And that was when, when oh, so that's the lady they are talking about. That even though her husband had died, she still came back with her mother-in-law. When he now, so I now called her. Ah, are you the one? And he prayed for her. He blessed her. May God do more for you than you are doing for your mother. I heard about your story. The commitment she demonstrated was what triggered the favor before Boaz. Now look how beautiful the thing works. When Naomi entered that field for the, I mean Ruth entered that field for the first time, she did not know that she was going to inherit the field. That she was going to marry the owner. She came in as it were as a beggar. Be careful the people around you. I'm looking at one worker that was kicking her that day. You are coming to bed. Come on, stay, brother. Didn't know that two, three months down the road, she's going to be your girl. I know that guy is repenting wherever he is now. He's regretting wherever he is now. Hallelujah. When Boaz met her, he didn't know she was going to be his wife. Hallelujah. So what am I saying to us this morning? Please, make it your responsibility to ensure that favor. Favor is available. John 1, 16, we've preached that text so much in this church. Christ has provided favor for you. Favor after favor, blessing after blessing, gift heaped upon gift. Put up John 1, 16, amplified for me on the board. Believe God for it. In fact, can I challenge you, somebody here? Even if you are going through the worst tragedy you've ever experienced, hallelujah, make that thing be the reason why you are expecting God to do something good for you this season. Praise God. Now, she wasn't looking for a husband, though. That's not the point. But she was like, let me find favor from God where I can get food to it. And that now connected her to her future husband. Hallelujah. We need the favor of God. What's favor of God? Think God doing for us things we did not deserve. Things we do not merit. Things we do not. And because he loves us. Hallelujah. Because he cares for us. So it comes from that place of understanding that God cares for you. God loves you. Can I hear a loud amen? amen? And this day, glory be to God, he will show you favor. He will show you mercy. I was preaching last, was it last, last Wednesday from the midweek service? The prophecy we studied, Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, Jesus came and said that um, God has sent me, anointed me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the year of jubilee, the year of favor. Praise God. God had given them a law in the Old Testament. Every seven years, debts will be canceled 
and you start again, cancel the outstanding debts. Then the seventh, seventh, after the seventh, seventh year, the 50th year, it should be on another level. It should be a year of jubilee. Not only do you cancel the debts, every slave gets returned to their home. Every debtor gets totally erased. You don't have to be my debtor again. It's not that we are recycling everything. Everything goes clean slate. They call that year the year of the jubilee. And in those days in Israel, they marked it every 50 years. Christ now came and said, I am now the jubilee. Hallelujah. And then he stood up in that sermon. Everywhere he went, Mark chapter 4 told us that. Luke chapter 4 told us that. And he told them that today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You don't have to wait another 50 years, sir. I can show you favor right here and now. Every other place he went, the Bible said they accepted the prophecy and the message. In his own hometown, they said, is this not Joseph's son? And I was talking to us about not despising prophecy. Believe for favor. Ah, it didn't happen yesterday. Believe again today. Can I hear a loud amen? I didn't say anything last week. Believe again this week. Last month, nothing really happened, Pastor. Believe again this month. Do you know that God kept you alive so that maybe he can show you what he didn't show you last yesterday? Praise God. Ah, I just lost my husband. That is when you need favor more than ever before. My husband just abandoned me. That is when you need favor more than ever before. That's what she did. We need the favor of God flowing abundantly in our marriages. Praise God. And lastly, this is another powerful thing about this. So what happened? What happened? Then when, when, when she now gleaned from, I'm, I'm just giving you a summary of the story. We actually studied this book in the beginning of the year. So if you need a refresher, you can read it again. It's just four or so chapters. And if you've not read the book of Ruth before, read it again. It's a powerful story of how God can give you beauty for ashes. Maritally. Maritally. For anyone that anything has gone wrong in that area of your life, the book of Ruth is where you should be gleaning hope from. So she picked from Boaz's and Boaz told her his workers, let her take as much as she wants, give everything she wants. So when she got back home, ah, Naomi was shocked. Ah, where did you glean today? This one is bumper harvest. So, so she said, ah, it was from the field of Boaz. Then she remembered, hey, he's actually our kinsman. There was another law they had. Please hear this very carefully. This is most powerful. Hear this. You need this in your marriage. There was another law that God gave them in those days in the Old Testament. So when you die, like I said, your brother can marry you so that he can now have offspring. That was their custom. If there's nobody in the immediate family, the next person in the extended family, glory be to God, has the right to claim you or to marry you as wife. She now remembered, hey, I don't know how she forgot that. You see, that's how bad sorrow is. And depression. And allowing yourself to stay in one cave because things have not gone right. That provision was there. But for one reason or another, she forgot about it. How can Dangote be your kinsman? Let's assume Boaz was a Dangote. How do you forget things like that? Let me, that's how bad the devil is. And you know there is a law that says if you are married to Dangote's brother or Dangote's cousin, or cousin's uncle's nephew. Bottom line, there's one connection, Sha. <laughs> and that if your husband dies, then God can claim you if he wants. All of the reason she just threw away all that provision that was available under the old covenant to her. Thank God she had the daughter-in-law that was ready to believe God for favor. 
You see, one miracle, praise God, can connect it to another bigger miracle. Here was Ruth believing God for favor for food. It's possible she didn't have faith for favor for husband. I mean, as a widow. It's very possible her, her faith wasn't at that level. You see, that's why the Bible tells us to do faith upon faith. That's so your faith, even as a mustard seed. Okay, you can't believe God for house. Can you pray that God will give you money for face me, I face you bedroom? Can you start with that level of faith? So she was only believing God for favor to get food. Because even though the law was there that poor people can glean from the harvest that is left in the field of rich people, not everybody practiced it. Only generous people like Boaz. So they needed favor. So she let me just have a field. And she found favor in his side, brought the harvest home, and, oh, I gleaned in the, in the field of Boaz. I said, oh, he's our kinsman. Then her memory came back and hope came alive. Actually, you know, he can be a redeemer for you. Our hopelessness had allowed her to forget or caused her to forget the promise of God. It's like what Jeremiah said. He said he was so depressed, I forgot prosperity. May that never be your story. I prophesy over someone here that the devil has been stealing your harvest because you've been allowing me to steal your promises. That ends for you today in the name of Jesus. Never forget prosperity. I think we talked about that last month when we were teaching about prosperity. She had forgotten prosperity. So she now told Ruth, this is what you should do. Tomorrow when you go, don't just go and glean. Go and sit in the barn with him. Dress a curtain way. Put on a certain perfume. Do this, do this, do this. She knew what to do. But because of depression and sadness, she didn't have any hope. Hallelujah. So of course, again, talking about Ruth's submissiveness or submission. She went, did as she did. And when Boaz saw her, Okay, so Boaz read the message. Oh, you want me to marry you? Boaz said, no, there's actually somebody that is more qualified before me. But this is what I will do. I will go and ask the guy if he wants. Please watch this, watch this. When God is fighting your battles for you, it's amazing how the extent he will go. So Boaz called the elders in the village. Have you heard about truth? Everybody said yes. Well, so he now called the person that was actually qualified. Boaz was not the qualified one. Or the first qualified one. Do you know that you are the one that you can redeem as your wife? The guy said, ah, yeah, who doesn't want better thing? With all the qualities they are told her about truth. So the guy said, yes, if we take her. Then Boaz now threw inside. If you marry her, all the taxes and all the land that they have, you are going to take that one as well. He said, ah, no, I don't want. I just want her. <laughs> I don't want all the baggage that comes with her. So the guy rejected the offer. Praise God. And Boaz now picked it up. And because he rejected it in the, in the eyes of everybody, he had no choice. He could not deny it later. Now, the lesson here is that apparently God had chosen Ruth to be the person through which the lineage of Christ will carry. May you not reject good things that God is bringing your way. This is another lesson, by the way. That man there, I can't remember his name. Hallelujah. But this is the point. Boaz fought for her. And he redeemed her from that widowhood from the pain, from the losses, from the shame. Praise God. And this is the message. Please hear this. That is what Christ did for us. That is what Christ did for us. And the Bible now says that is what marriage is all about. Please hear this carefully. Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 31. Ephesians chapter 31. Remember? 
okay, this was what we did in the first service. We looked at some principles in Ephesians 5. Apostle Paul was teaching about that. Then he got to 5.31 and he quoted Genesis 2. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. He was teaching about husbands loving their wives here. He now quoted that Genesis 2 text. And the two shall become one flesh. He now said this in verse 8. This is a great mystery. But I am speaking or I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hallelujah. Please hear what I'm saying this morning. Every couple hear this. Understand that your union, your marriage is a type, glory be to God, of the relationship between Jesus and his church. Hallelujah. There is redemption available for us in our marriages, particularly godly marriages. Redemption is available unto us. That's the first force we see at play in the life of Ruth there. Number one is commitment was at work, which she made sure she did. Number two was favor was at work, which she also made sure that was at work. Number three, redemption was at work, which Boaz did for her. You know you can't redeem yourself. Praise God. Somebody has to redeem you. At the point where they found out that Boaz wasn't the one that was the number one eligible person to marry Ruth, he could have said no way. And let that man go and redeem her. The man that did not want to redeem her. Please hear me and hear me very well. Hear me. Hear these principles I'm sharing with you this morning. He could have said no. I'm not the one that's eligible. Let that guy go. And the guy wasn't going to redeem her because of the baggages she had. That's what Christ did for us. Nobody could redeem us. Our sin was there. Our failures were there. Our shame was there. Our poverty was there. But then Christ came. I know you have all these baggages. Like Boaz came. I know you have all these baggages. All the taxes your family has owed. The land that they have abandoned all these years. And all those things. But you know what? They called it in those days a kinsman redeemer. Hallelujah. And the Bible is telling us that that's what Christ has done for us. Now watch this. In our marriages, the power of redemption, the forces of redemption, the blessings of redemption are available. I totally believe there is no marriage that God cannot redeem. Just like there's nobody Jesus cannot save. Hallelujah. I believe that with all my heart. No matter how difficult the wife is, no matter how stubborn the husband is, no matter how destructive the circumstances are around them, just like Christ can save the furthermore sinner, it doesn't matter how many people he has killed, it doesn't matter how many lives he has ruined, the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, can save any sinner. The same way, no matter how difficult things are in any marriage, because the power of redemption is available in marriage, marriages are like a type of Christ and the church. Any union can be saved. And God can bring beauty out of the ashes of any marriage. It all depends on whether the couple are ready to activate the power of redemption or not. Or at least one person. It's easier when there are two people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me close, because I want us to take a minute or two to pray. Hear me and hear me very well, particularly married people. But everybody can apply this in your relationships as well. If these three forces, you consciously believe God for them and do your best to make them work in your marriage. Number one, commitment. Show commitment to your spouse. 
Number two, believe God for favor. Don't give up on your prosperity or your, or your or favor. And number three, redemption, resurrection. Hallelujah. God can make that marriage sparkle. Praise God. God can give you beauty for ashes. God can turn your mourning into dancing. God can cause praise to come out of that marriage instead of a spirit of heaviness. You have not come to the end of your journey yet. Can I hear a loud amen? The God that restored Ruth and Naomi, he can restore you as well. It's only if you will commit to allow these things happen. Jesus told them, don't allow your heart to be hardened. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. Find out what God has put in marriage and see how we can work for you. Hallelujah. I prophesy again over every home, over every marriage here. Over every couple. It doesn't matter what has died. Some couple, maybe the vision they had 10 years ago, 5 years ago when they just got married has died. But because redemption power is available and resurrection power is available, I speak new life into that marriage. I speak new life into your home. I speak new life into your heart. That person that maybe you are separated or divorced from your spouse, or maybe the spouse has even died, like Ruth, I declare God is going to bring redemption out of that situation for you in the name of Jesus. You know, redemption talks about resurrection. It looks as if death is all that is available, but God said no, hallelujah. And God steps in. And God begins to bring light out of darkness. I decree over everybody under the sound of my voice that is willing to believe God for it this season. That shall be so for you in your relationships and in your marriage in the name of Jesus. Don't lose hope. Hallelujah. It can get better and better. And this was the most beautiful thing for Ruth. Somehow out of God's divine providence, God had chosen her. That not only are you going to marry, are you going to have a child, it's through this lineage that Christ is going to come from. Who would have thought? Hallelujah. Who would have thought? The widow that her husband just died a few months ago, she's the person that God chose that he would decorate her life and her destiny with so much beauty and so much color. I ask a question this morning. What if she wasn't committed to Naomi? Hello? What if she did not believe God for favor? You see, everything connected. Her commitment triggered the favor. Her favor caused redemption to happen for her. And I pray over you. May that be your testimony this year and season. Amen. Glory be to God. The Bible says what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has not even entered the hearts of men, God has prepared for those that love him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Rise on your feet this morning. Lift those hands to heaven. Begin to pray concerning these three points this morning. Somebody renew your commitments. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station. First Bank Bus Stop off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 0000.
0640.